Welcome to the first ever podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Bohm. Today, I'm talking to Alexis Marshall. He sings for the band Daughters, and last August debuted the first single of his solo material called Nature in Three Movements. He also writes poetry and recently released a split collection with writer Dan Dara called Moving Windows, which was actually released by my imprint label, Secret Voice. The first edition is available now. In this episode, we discuss the formation of Alexis's bands leading up to Daughters, touring experiences, first shows, as well as finding his voice when writing. I've been a big fan of Daughters since the formation, and getting to know Alexis these last couple years has been a joy. If you still haven't listened to their last album, You Won't Get What You Want, I can't recommend it enough. It was my favorite album of 2018. So there. (laughs) Uh, This is the first ever podcast, and this is my conversation with Alexis Marshall. Enjoy. Alexis, thanks so much for coming on the show. I appreciate your time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry. Um, that was me being professional. Do you like it? That was great. I, I, yeah. It's mildly intimidating in some, some strange way. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Alexis, Alexis Marshall. So, yeah, you're, you're from Providence uh, originally. Um, well, I'm from, I'm from New England, like just kind of generally. I moved around a lot as a kid, but um, I was born in uh, like Bridgewater, Massachusetts. And I didn't move to Providence until 98, I think. Oh, um, okay. And then and lived there for uh, almost 20 years. Yeah. Was that uh, like folks getting a new job kind of brought you there or what? I, I went there because I, I was a bit too, you know, getting into punk and hardcore. I was very small, uh, lanky, skinny, uh, f- maybe a uh, frail. And uh, Boston was a little too <laughs> much of a scary scene. Sure. And uh, so, you know, we'd go to shows in Boston, but but primarily we went to Rhode Island because it was sort of like the the island of misfit toys, where um, it it was like a more collaborative scene where kind of everybody was was shoulder to shoulder, and and um, so we I felt I felt more comfortable there, and and, and um, you know when I uh left high school and I got kicked out of high school and then had to get a job, lost my job, had nowhere to live. Uh I moved in with with John from Daughters. I lived in his basement while he finished high school for a couple of years. Oh, okay. And and we would go to shows like every weekend and we and whenever we, we would drive to Providence. It was only um it was like 30 minutes away. Um we we were living in the Attleboro area. John lived in Rentham. So we were, we were, we were so close. We were, we we're closer to, to Providence than Boston. So it became our scene for, you know, a lot of reasons and uh, proximity was a big one, but, but also it was just like a little less, I think, intimidating. Yeah. And, and a little more like welcoming, you know, honestly. Were there any venues then that are still around today that you were going to in Providence? No, no, everything's gone at this point. Yeah. Um, it, there, there was we went to a place called the living room and we we booked shows there as teenagers you know like um we saw like all, all kinds of bands there uh and th- that's gone there was a place called the safari lounge which was a, a, a kind of a dive bar that had shows it wasn't equipped or built for the stage was it, it was a decent sized bar room but there was a strange kind of room off to the right as you went to the back and the, the stage faced the wall so you had about six feet of space in front of the stage before the wall. So there are a lot of 
I think, I think there's a really wild video of Lightning Bolt playing at the Safari Lounge, and and uh, that's available. You probably find online. Oh, for sure. And it's it's just really awkward. It was such an awkward setup, <laughs> but they did shows. We'd see shows there, and um, there was one of the, of the bigger venues of uh, was Lupo's Heartbreak Hotel, which was a a large. I don't know, like a couple thousand cap. Um, Damn, yeah, I haven't heard of any of these. The strand. There's, crazy. I think the strand. There's a. There's the strand, which is a theater, which was a, which was a bigger, uh, a capacity theater, um, where I saw some shows there, and I, I think that might still be there actually, and it might be like the only venue, the kind of independent venue left in the in the city, uh, aside from like uh, ASU Twenty, uh, which is a unique place in itself. Just a bar, a show space, a gal- art gallery. Um, they have rooms for. Uh, artists upstairs like on the second floor um people working and painting and doing whatever i think they, they do a lot of uh programs for underprivileged kids in the city i think and and students and uh like high school students and, and it, it's a really cool place and they've been doing i think it's one of the oldest nonprofit um kind of show spaces in the country um but i might have Damn. that wrong but i think it uh, my, my wording is wrong but i'm pretty sure it's like it's it's the oldest one in the one of the oldest ones in the country that's sort of been doing um, uh, available to to just kind of the community and the, and and just whoever people in the city. Oh, that's awesome! And so that's still there, but I di- I didn't go there too often because it, it was it was uh, probably too hip for me and 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 John and those of us who didn't. We didn't realize it was there for a couple of years. Okay. Um, so, but we started. So, but yeah. So I guess I guess there's if the strand is still there, then yeah, there are two there are two spaces that I used to attend shows that are still there, but mostly everything's gone and. Or it's a parking lot, or or uh, it burned down, or something. It's, it's right, yeah. right, right. Um, so this whole—I sh- forget how much we've talked about it, but this whole show is kind of about a lot of like first experiences and things like that. So I was curious, uh, as a young person, what was the first music that you connected to? I have an older brother who was interested. My father wasn't particularly interested in music, uh, and neither was my mother. Um, you know. I'd hear the radio. My dad liked Hank Williams and, and, um, Hank Snow and, uh, Bruce Springsteen and stuff. So, so I was hip to that and, and, and dug that, but my brother, who's nine, eight or nine years older than me, I think he might be eight years older than me. Okay. This is an 80, 85. So he's a bit older and he's getting into skateboarding and, and, uh, get his, you know, pierced in his ears and shit and, and, uh, and <laughs> kind of, and got me into, he was really into DRI and Agnostic Front and Voivod, uh, kind of the, you know, th- thrash bands and some New York hardcore bands. And, um, but a lot of other weird shit. Like the first time I ever saw like Alice Cooper footage, he had, my brother had a VHS copy of a performance that kind of like welcome to my nightmare era um, of, you know, he gets his, they cut Alice's head off and right. you drink in the like blood. The very theatrical. It, it, yeah, it yeah. was like really incredible. It just blew my, blew my mind. And, um, okay. my neighbor who was a bit older than, than me as well was into Manowar and, uh, like a metal, like kind of goofy ass metal stuff like that. So, so I was getting into all of that shit at the same time and wasn't, I didn't discriminate, you know, I didn't, I wasn't too cool for country music or anything. You know, I dug a lot of the stuff like Arlo Guthrie and shit that my dad was into. And then, um, but got really into metal and hardcore and punk bands and, and, um, probably cause my brother was cool, you know, he and like, 
he or he seemed cool anyway. In hindsight, <laughs> it probably wasn't all that cool, but uh, it was a lot more fun to get into that like dirty, gross, shitty brand of music than it was to you know. You know, I heard the Cure on the radio, and that was cool. But it was Men at Work. You know, this was the '80s, and this is right. Um, and so how old it, were you at this it, point? So, uh, like five, six, seven. Like I got. Oh wow! In, so you were interested. Stuff. Super early. Wow, yeah. that's impressive. I feel like yeah. it's usually well, it's usually like when you're like 12, 13, when you when you see the, uh, or it's, you at least feel like you're you know belonging to something that the other kids in your class don't understand but the fact that you connected that early is uh is pretty impressive i don't i don't necessarily know if i was connecting or like finding a scene or anything like that but i was i was really interested in the music and i, I thought it was it was it was cool it, it was like i said more more it was a lot more fun to 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 kind of the imagery was better and and um but i got into all kinds of you know motley crew and shit like um, poison. Like I, it was just like, yeah, this is fast and it's loud. And like, this is great. Um, so I, I didn't care if I was listening to Mattel. Like when, uh, master puppets came out, my, my brother played it for me. He had a, he bought it on cassette and I remember like yeah. sitting around listening to it. It was just like, this is fucking bonkers. Like this is great. <laughs> so, um, I, I just, I was just digging whatever was, was kind of brought to me as long as it was loud and, and sort of fast and, and like obnoxious in some way. Uh, I, I gravitated toward that style of music, you know, you know, I remember when death, like I first heard death, uh, leprosy, when that shit came out, it was like, uh, I was a kid and it just fucking blew my mind. Like it was, I just, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, and honestly, I don't know where the hell it was all coming from. I don't know where I was finding it or, you know, my neighbor, like I said, my neighbor was, uh, at my father's house. I lived separate from, uh, you know, mom during the week and dad during the weekends and vacations and such. And, um, my father's a kid a bit older than me and my father's neighbor was just getting into kind of metal, all kinds of metal and shit. And, and so I was getting all that from him and suicidal tendencies and stuff like that from my brother. And it was, yeah, it was, it, it was great. Yeah. It sounds like you had a lot of different people to sort of influence all of that. Like I was going to ask when, if you already kind of sort of had that built in uh, from your older brother and now your neighbor and stuff, when you ended up, you know, being in class with, with kids when you're in, you know, elementary school, junior high and things like that. Did you, uh, did you feel like you had your own identity already outside of kids who were probably just listening to the radio or had that not really fully formed that you like had this foot in with a different kind of subculture? Yeah, I I had no idea. I, I knew that the other kids weren't into it and they had their own shit, but like music didn't really, wasn't coming up. It wasn't a conversation I was having with, with, you know, the kids in my school or, or anything like that. Um, I had sort of two different lives where, you know, where I went to school, it was, I was like, you know, I grew up very poor and my mother did a good job to make sure that I got into a, like decent schools, which I failed miserably all the time across the board throughout, throughout my entire schooling, uh, even as a kid. So I was always like the poorest kid with the knockoff shoes that were like ponies, you know, and my, you know, my clothes were ripped and, and, uh, I, you know, got myself up into school and <laughs> like I had to do on my own shit. Mm-hmm. So I think that my identity wasn't well, there. It was like, I was just a poor kid, you know, like, or the poorest kid, but on the weekends and the and vacations and stuff, when I was at my dad's, it was like, 
all my friends around there were poor. Everybody's parents were addicts and alcoholics and in and, and prison and shit. So, mm-hmm. uh, so my, it, it was totally different. And, and everybody there, it, it was like, oh, here, here are my people. And <laughs> we listened to shitty metal and, you know, crazy stuff uh, goes on around us. I, I don't have like a good grasp on like what my childhood was because I didn't feel like I had an identity as a kid as because I was always one person or the other or I really had to adapt where wherever I, I was kind of placed and we moved a lot so I didn't right. I didn't I never had friends aside from you know where my father was living he he, he kind of kept in, in the same place but you know my, my mom we're doing our best to make everything work and trying to find work and, and find cheap places to live so that uh, <laughs> it was a confusing time so I didn't think where's my scene or where are my people? I was just like, you know, I'm at school and everybody hates me. And then I'm at my dad's and, and I can like stay up all night. I don't have to like fucking change my socks for a week. So it's it's like, whatever, <laughs> man. I was just like, just doing whatever I had to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I understand. Yeah, it's uh, it sounds like you and I had a had a similar parental situation. Like I, I grew up with a single mom. Um, my folks were divorced while my mom was pregnant with me. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I saw my dad like on the weekends and and it was pretty much just like right. it was pretty much just like here's some pizza uh i'm gonna i'm gonna drink this beer and uh and i'll see you next weekend kind of a yeah thing. yeah exactly yeah it was like pick me up friday i yep. guess i'll see you on sunday when you drive me back like I, you know that, that was kind of my a lot of my experience with my dad and stuff so but you know my, but my brother was around and i think like that's also why i kind of gravitated toward that brand of music that he was subscribing to in a sense that uh I had a really good relationship with my brother and I felt very close with him. So that's awesome. Um, so that probably had a, some kind of impact or, or uh, kind of guided me in some way, just his preferences kind of became mine. So does, uh, just, this is further down. The, I mean, this is like a further down the line thing, but is your brother like stoked on seeing the band come this far and all that sort of stuff? Like, does he, does he uh, appreciate that? Yeah. I think he's like pretty, proud of me he'll uh yeah you know he's a he's like a fucking welder <laughs> he's uh <laughs> he's he's been working he joined the army and then he started working on uh he worked on like tanks and shit in the army yeah and then when he got out he just started working on like large front end loaders and bulldozers and shit like that and whatever and he's like but he's a master welder or something and like does all the stuff goes all over the northeast like working on shit and he gets called up and he's got to like work on a bucket that's stuck in the mud like all this crazy shit and he'll have these pictures right. on his instagram of like just welded this whole bucket thing today and i'm just like what the <laughs> fuck is this and i'm like hey guys want to talk about my feelings and my new record and uh so like couldn't couldn't be any more different but uh you know we still are, are we still have a good relationship a good relationship so did he ever play music he played guitar like he had a yeah. he had a guitar when i was uh, a kid and he would play and he would write songs he i mean he was a skateboarder he had like he just looked cool and his friends had cool names. He had a friend named Spike. And I was like, yo, I was like, Sp- I was like Spike's cool. You know, like right, my right, brother right. would like get a, go get a six pack of beer and like skate downtown in Norwood center and like get drunk downtown. And I was like, my brother's fucking cool, man. And, right. uh, you know, that, that was, yeah, he was just like everything he was into. I kind of just, I just wanted that. I wanted to be around him. And, uh, and we, you know, and it was a really, scary and dangerous and unhealthy environment growing up so i didn't feel safe or protected by my father so my brother kind of wasn't necessarily parental but was like we kind of took care of 
I don't, I wouldn't say we took care of each other. He, he, he had to do all the taking care of. So, right. He looked out for you. Yeah. I'm just kind of imagining this. Uh, uh, I imagine your brother as Trent from, uh, from Daria. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I've never seen Daria, but, what? uh, this wow. is like the second reference I've heard to Daria in like just a couple of days. So I, oh, I've okay. never watched it. Yeah. Well, Daria was like, uh, the, the <laughs> I know she's from Beavis and Butthead, right? I know she's from Right. Her. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And she, and, but like, I think everyone in, uh, I, I think you're a couple years older than me. I was born in 83, but like, um, I think everyone in, in growing up was excited that there was this character that, uh, was like the metalhead kind of, you know, uh, outlaw kind of cool kid with a skull on his shirt. And, uh, but and everyone thought he was the coolest. So it sounds like that's at least that's what I'm going to compare your brother to. You're, yeah, without, I mean, you, I, without you approving, your brother is Trent from Daria. <laughs> yeah, do what you like. I mean, this is your show, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so uh, did did uh, what, well, how at what point did you start wanting to be interested in like playing music? Like uh, at what like when was your first band? So, well, I was always singing. Like as, as a kid, I was always. Um, I was always singing and, and I, I wanted to, I used to make up words to songs. There was in the eighties, there was a, there was a big hit for that Beverly Hills cop film. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was like an instrumental song and I had made up my own words for that. And oh, that's awesome. <clears throat> so I had like a tendency to do shit like that. So, uh, I was always, I did. And I, so when I was uh, in junior high, I think I started writing, I started like filling notebooks with lyrics and shit like that. Um, and all kinds of like, and just really bad stuff and writing, you know, band titles with logos and, and all that kind of stuff. And like making up my band's going to be like this. And I'm, you know, 12 years old and I don't, I don't have a band or anybody gives a shit and wants to play. Nobody in my town was interested in music in, uh, to, in, in any way or to any extent. So I was always like just, yeah, writing lyrics about the occult or something and Satanism and <laughs> like war and shit. I was like. I'm probably listening to too much Megadeth or something where I was like pretending to have some grasp on <laughs> politics and the and war <laughs> the world right now. And like, I didn't fucking know. Yeah. I just like had, I had a bunch of Megadeth albums, right. but, um, so my best friend lived upstairs. And when I was leaving my dad at one point, uh, in Norwood, my best friend was living upstairs. He was a year older than me. His name was Steve. And, um, our parents did drugs together, whatever was going on. So, um, he was he was my best friend for for the entirety of my childhood and into uh my teenage years for a bit and um he had some uh kind of coolish friends i guess he he was living a couple towns over and you know i'd hang out on the weekends i wanted to see my dad and, and uh go to just go to his house kind of hang out for a couple of days and all his friends were uh into into the same shit i was like metal and, and um so I started playing with like they, were, they had like bands that were like dudes like in high school that were just like guy I knew a guy had a drum set and played the drums and another kid played guitar and he was uh, you know pretty good. So um, they had a guy singing this guy, kid Donnie Lawrence singing and he was not very good and we were all at a, we were at a party and they were just had set up their gear in a garage and we're just playing and Donnie wasn't there and they're like. Hey, why don't you sing? You should sing some song. We did a uh, like they were doing covers, you know. I think we did like uh, "Angel of Death" by Slayer and and uh, probably like uh, "Territory" by Sepultura and some shit like that. And nice. I I sang, and they're like, "Yo, you gotta sing in our band. Like, you should sing for us in our band." And I said, "Oh, okay, yeah, that sounds great. That's what I want to do." Yeah. 
and had this like we never played any shows we never did anything uh other than like you know we rehearsed we we bought like a like a pa from we rented one rather from a guitar center or not guitar center there's there was a daddy's junkie music was is a place it's a sort of guitar center ass but a little more local to new england mm-hmm. and i think we like rented a pa from daddy's uh a whole setup so we could record a demo on like, like a boom box and and it was all it was like two it was a 90 minute cassette of like just covers and shit you know and then uh that's Met, do you, do yeah. you still have that no i, w- I wish oh. i wish that i did i don't i don't have it it's i mean it yeah. would be quite embarrassing so i don't i don't i don't I'm nothing would i would never do anything with it or show it to oh, anybody, of course but, of course but, but, i mean um, just for just for your own sake stuff like that as much as it can feel cringe to exist it's kind of always nice to know it's like i have it that yeah. shit's scary because i used to sing by myself onto a cassette recorder and <laughs> i fucking a friend when i was like 13 or 14 found one oh, no. and and uh i think he started playing one so he didn't know what it was, was on and i was like oh what's this we gotta shut this off this is very good and i was like <laughs> i was like oh my god i think that's me how did that fucking tape get out here did i like and i used to make a lot of mixtapes i would stay up and yeah. uh, there was a radio show uh out of emerson college called nasty habits um in uh in massachusetts uh and they every Sunday night it was like Sunday from like eleven to two a.m. or eleven to one a.m. or ten to one a.m. whatever it was, and uh, it was hosted by this guy Johnny Shoon and Mark Thompson, who would later become a really good friend. Oh, my, yeah, is that Mark, Mark Thompson? Hi- Hydrahead Records, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, all that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and I so I would record. I would just like I'd try to stay up as late as I could and just record the whole show and and like whatever was on, and I'd, I'd bring it to my my other friends and like, oh, you got to check out this like paradise lost band you got to check out like all this other shit and and uh like you ever heard napalm death listen to this shit or like like crazy <laughs> like hardcore like black bell all these like weird ass like hardcore bands for out of boston and they had like all this cool local stuff and and uh you know it was the first time i heard like marauder and fucking like you know all kinds of uh, uh only living witness and all these bands that uh i still dig i still listen to all that shit so but i would record it and try to like hit my friends to it that were like well, we just kind of want to listen to this new Sepultura album. Have you heard yeah. Roots? And I'm like, yo, what the fuck? I was like, this, like, no, man, there's real shit out here. Like, check out this Deicide record. And I was like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I was like, this is not working. Which is why, like, when I met John uh, Severson, you know, when we were we went to high school together, like a year or two later, he he, I just bumped into him. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this band with some guys. And I was like, yo, I want to sing in this band. I invited myself to be the singer. <laughs> they already had a singer. So it was like this two-singer thing. And, then when the guys I had been playing with, uh, you know, Steve's friends, all these guys were pissed. They're like, man, you got you to choose a band to be in. I was like, yo, I don't have to. Why do I have to choose? I'm like, I'm going to go be in a band with the dudes who know who like dead guy is, you know, like right. this dude has a 25 to life shirt. I'm going to go hang out with him and be in a band <laughs> with them. Cause like you guys are fucking just like no idea. And they're all, they're all juggalos now. I found out like, like years, years later, they all got into like. <laughs> into insane clown posse and shit and, and they're townies like they're just townies and i'm not trying to like knock townies but it, yeah. it was like they never left town they like sure no, and I thankfully like, i started playing with john these dudes and we're like we're gonna play shows or do where to write like we wrote our own songs like when played shows and they played it, it was crazy i'm assuming that's as the sunset this was a band called displaced okay and uh it was myself john uh this guy mike johnston played bass who's a tattoo artist and 
phenomenal tattoo artist, like really, really incredible. Um, and he, he's just un- unbelievably talented. Um, this guy, Chris, that we didn't know played guitar. We had, I don't know how we had met this guy, but he paid, like he, he kind of like was totally used and he paid for the rent at the space and like got the room and all the shit. And we didn't like him or anything. And he didn't know anything about music, but he just like played guitar and he had the room. But myself and John and this guy, John Toady was singing. He, John did more of a, uh, Toady did more of like a, uh, a rapping style. And I had kind of this like hate breed style. So it was, I mean, it was terrible. It was really bad. And I do have VHS recordings of, of two shows that we played, um, that I, I still have them. That's awesome. So did that, so, okay, let me, let me just, uh, <laughs> j- let me just try to, so your first show would have been the one, the first show you ever played would have been the one where you sang covers and that, and I'm just curious to go back to that show. Um, when you did that, did you feel comfortable kind of in that place? Like, cause obviously you'd been sort of f- not fantasizing, but like, eh, I guess fantasizing about, I was fantasizing fr- absolutely, yeah, about, yeah. about fronting a band, you know, you've been yeah. thinking about it, you've been writing it in notebooks and writing lyrics and stuff like that. So given that opportunity, did it, f- did you feel like you were in the right place doing that? I was terrified, you know, it was, I'm a terribly insecure person still. So, um, I wasn't any better when I was like a dumb teenager on drugs. I wasn't like, I wasn't confident. I just, it was sort of time to do it. I had, I had like, you know, said it was a fantasy of mine and it just seemed, uh, when they asked me to sing some songs with them, I just, it it was, it was just in a garage, you know, they were just like, people yeah. standing around it wasn't like real shit but but um i mean most people's first shows are like talent shows at high school and stuff you know <laughs> right, it certainly was mine so like uh but i mean regardless of what it is you know it's like it's the first time you're in front of people that maybe you don't know and you're you know yelling or making noise into a microphone i mean you know i, I think that experience always lives differently in your head from when it happens to you know what it is now but um I was, yeah, I was just curious if like, if after that, you know, couple songs set, it sort of solidified, like, I think I want to do this more. Yeah. It was a thing I, I, I was finally brave enough to do the thing I always wanted to do, but was, was just too terrified. And, and, and I, I don't know if it was like peer pressure or some shit that was just like, Hey, you should, you should do, it, you gotta do it. You gotta do it. And I had like no idea what sound was going to come out of my mouth. You know, I, I had no, <laughs> right. no idea. <laughs> I just like, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm yeah. just going to do this. So I did it. But also on that, you know, I am sort of downplaying this. It's just a bunch of kids playing in a garage. But I mean, I spent years just playing in people's garages, <laughs> even oh, like yeah, yeah, the yeah. first daughter's tour. I mean, we played all kinds of basement shows. So, yeah, I guess it was. I mean, sure, it was a show. Why not? Yeah. Um, and then so then you had the two. So when you were saying you had the two bands going uh, for a minute there, it would have been that band that you did the covers with and then uh, the displaced band, right? Right. So the, so the covers band, yeah. the covers band was called Misled. Okay. Misled. Huh. Check it out. Just so you know, <laughs> these are misled and displaced. Is, was it displaced or displaced? Displaced. So between those two, those are also two of the better uh, band names for people's first bands, especially on the show. <laughs> uh, and definitely better than any of mine. Let me tell you, my band name when I was in eighth grade yeah. The the balls on us. The fucking balls on us to have our name be victim of atrocity. Wow. <laughs> like, like <laughs> what kind of atrocity did we deal with when we were in fucking eighth grade? It was yeah. the most 
Like it was just we found the word atrocity in the dictionary and we're like, damn, that's a cool word. Yeah, that's hard. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And then, but so you just you said you had like VHS recordings. Did did Dismayed ever record in a like an actual like demo or anything like that? Displaced never recorded a demo. No. Okay. We, yeah. We we wrote a bunch of songs and we never wrote. I, I mean, the only people who really had a grasp on any of it was like John playing drums and myself singing. Not that I had a real grasp on how to sing, but. I wrote my words down, you know, but mm-hmm. our guitar player and our bass player, they never wrote anything. Uh, they didn't, they didn't play the same thing. They were just sort of playing their own song sure. and yeah. we never addressed it. We never thought that, that this, you know, this isn't working. We should, we should write. So you guys got to get together and write the songs. It was just the guitar player would play this, the bass player would play the other thing and everyone will do their own shit. So it, it was totally disjointed and, and, uh, a, a huge mess, but it was a lot of fun. And, and we, um, we're booking shows and playing shows and, and, um, you know, it, it was great. It, it was really bad and I'm glad it was short lived. And we realized that we wanted to do something that, that was more serious. That was serious. That wasn't just sort of play a hand show here and there and we'll right, right, p- right. pizza at practice and get high and like, you know, just do whatever. But you know, this, we wanted to be like a, like a proper band and a real band and play shows and, uh, record and all that kind of shit. So when that band just like broke apart, does, yep. is that when you started as the Sunsets? Was that the next band? Uh, yeah, essentially. So John and I, um, and then because everything is in music is, is incestuous. If you break it down, the guitar player and bass player from the band I used to be in that I got kind of kicked out of, or that I left to play with John, uh, the guitar player and bass player of that band, their band broke up where they got a new singer to replace me. Those two guitar player and bass are played with John and I, and we started a new band and it was called cast off skin. Another good band name. <laughs> right. Well, it was a reference to uh, the Ninja scroll film. There was like a, okay. a line from, from that word. Um, and we were obsessively watched it, John and I, and like watch Ninja scroll constantly. Um, so we used the name. We thought that would be a cool band name. So we use that. And then uh, eventually th- we changed the name to like, I think, um, and a couple people, guitar player left and someone else started playing guitar. And then another guy came in to play bass. And, um, we were called the, I think the sun, we changed to the sun has set. And then we did like one show under that name and then changed it to as the sunsets, uh, which I guess we thought was better, but it is, I, of, I would give you of that. All of them. It's a terrible name. I don't know. As a sunset's just kind of a, a really bad name, I think. <laughs> It's, it's, <laughs> but at it's, the time we thought it was cool. It was, it's a name that I never really thought twice of, and, and I still don't think it's bad. But I, I you know, it's very nineties. I, I think like it's, it's very nineties. That like can, that. Can, like that faux thoughtfulness and emotional kind of shit. We're like, because that's what we, were, you know, we're playing metal and hardcore. But like, yeah, you know, the scene was like teeming with with bands like Piebald and stuff and like all, all these people who are also, and, and you had crossovers where, where people were like mean season or something. We're like kind of playing hard music, but we're also singing. So, you know, we wanted to kind of convey this, uh, kind of thoughtful, doomy, romantic, aggressive thing. So as a sunsets, I guess is what we thought would work. I don't know. Sure. And so that, I'm assuming that was the first band that ended up actually doing like a demo. Or yeah. recording at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we started, we we recorded. Oh, no, Cast Off Skin did have a demo, or t- at least one. We recorded uh, 
I don't remember if we went into a, a studio or we knew someone with a four track maybe, or maybe we rented a four track or something, but we did record a demo, uh, a three song demo that probably a handful of people living in Providence still have. Um, okay. <laughs> like, but um, I don't have it. And John actually might have one somewhere uh, in his mom's attic or something. I don't know. But um, well, I was going to ask. I was going to ask you, but now it might be tough considering you you can't fully remember which one it was. But I was going to ask you if you remember what your first recording experience was like. Like, I, I guess we could say for a studio, if uh, if you can remember the first time you actually like went to, you know, a, a kind of recording studio. Again, a lot of people's first experiences are like, oh, this is dude's garage, but it felt legit to me. You know, like a, I get a lot of those stories. You so, know, whole, actually, we did record. Uh, Miss Misled did record two songs in a in a in a warehouse space that a guy who was he must have been living in there or something like that, but he found a like sixteen track or like a, a it it was like he had no business having this and he <laughs> found like some old recording gear and he was a kind of junk collector or whatever and then put it in, and and we went and like recorded live like we just recorded live did the vocals separate and we only had yeah. like two songs. So actually we did, we did record a, a demo. I completely forgot about that. Hey, we did that. And this, and, is, uh, this is a nostalgia podcast to bring these things back. You know, that's wild. Like, like I had, I hadn't thought about that. And, and so in such a very, very long time, that yeah. was probably 90, 93 or 94 or something. So, wow. Yeah. Um, but I guess the first, so, and that, yeah, that felt real. Like we were hanging on there and the guy had a, like, uh, he had a mixing board. It was a whole fucking thing. Uh, and I don't know how we recorded this, what the hell we did, but anyway, that's what we did. Uh, but the first, yeah, I'm just curious, like how, how do you feel in recording studios at this point? Like, I mean, going from early on till now, like, do you, do you enjoy the recording process or is it also kind of a, a bag of nerves as well? Like, are, do you get as anxious recording as you do playing live kind of? No, uh, well, it's it's a kind of, it's a totally different experience. Like bl- playing live is just sort of second nature for mm-hmm. me, where I don't have to prepare. Like you know, like I'll, I put on a suit, I get like sort of dressed up for the occasion, mm-hmm. but um, I could just go play. Like I don't need to tap into something or like have some sort of a emotional ex- ex- experience to, to do it. It's sort of just it's it's an extension of myself where. Um, whatever it is I'm doing performance wise is, is a part of me. So I can just go and do it at any, at any point. Mm-hmm. Recording is more of a task and kind of feels more like a job. So I've, I've really disliked it up until um, this past year where, and it's not that I've disliked, you know, making records or, or um, we've worked in machines of magnets for years. And it's not like I don't like, the space or uh, I love working with Seth Manchester who's the producer there and the engineer and um, I, I just don't like this like the self-scrutiny that this it's like we go here and then we go here and then it's so planned out and, and um, I find it to be kind of dull and, and uninteresting uh, probably why I enjoy performing because I don't have a plan we have a set list and then I'm just, maybe I'm going to climb the wall or something. I don't like, like some, like I'm going to do a thing or go somewhere or like something's going to happen or maybe nothing's going to happen. Like it's, ju- that's just to me like far more interesting than that kind of like chaos uh, energy there of, of uh, 
That sounds really corny. Chaos energy. I don't want to say that. Uh, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> I, like the chaotic nature. That. The chaotic yeah, nature yeah, yeah. of it, I guess, is sort of uh, the unpredictability that I, I'm, I kind of thrive there. Right. Whereas uh, like recording, there's there's like a finality to it. Like you, you have to stick to whatever you're putting down and it's going to live forever in that one take or that one yeah and there's exactly. a lot of waiting around and and yeah. doing something over and over and over and over and over again i just uh i really don't i don't care for it but but this past year i did a i went to machines and did a solo record and it was a really great experience because i i really tried to bring in this i had written 20 some odd demos um and then got to machines and thought this is just not, I don't give a shit about any of this stuff. Like, let's just see what we can, we can do here in the room, like everybody. And no idea is too stupid and not worth exploring. Let's just see what happens. And, and that's, that's what we did. And it was, you know, we kind of sat down and Seth was like, all right, what do you want to do? I said, I don't know. <laughs> let's, yeah. I've, I've got, I found a chain in the basement. I'm going to, let me like beat it against a sheet of metal. Like we just started pulling things together and, and putting things together and, and, um, it was such a, like such a great experience. I really loved it. And, uh, and I've had to go back to machines a couple of times over the course of the year to kind of finalize and rework on and work on things again. And then I just went in there a couple of weeks ago and recorded two more songs and, uh, for just, I don't know what we'll do with them though. I just have them now and, uh, re-record a, a couple of verses that I wasn't enjoy- I didn't like on the record and, and now the record's done. And, but I was like so happy to go in and do it. I was like really excited, yeah. um, to go to the studio and it's a thing I am enjoying now. And this, like I said, this is just this past year. So, yeah. Um, well, yeah, I, I mean, that. there's, that's nice that you can kind of find your own, uh, new way, I guess, uh, with recording. Cause I, I mean, I'm, I, I agree with you and I'm with you that like, Overall, I'm not a big fan of recording. And that, again, as you just said, it's like it has nothing to do with the people you do it with or the, you know, the space or, or whatever. It's just, yeah, it feels so final and and listening to things back can be exhausting or nerve wracking. Just being like, is that is it good? I can't tell, you know, like a lot of that sort of stuff and being very self-critical. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't I don't like uh, there's a there's a there is a deal a, a good deal of anxiety I think that coming into it as well that where I, I just I have to sing and everyone's looking mm-hmm. at me and it's silent and and there's an expectation of like that I'm I have to do something that's gonna work sure uh, so I'm just like and I and a lot of the times it's like I just want to kind of screw around with some idea or, yeah um, and it can be so it can be a little anxiety inducing. Yeah, no doubt. But, but and that's just for me. Like I think some people thrive there and they love that. Whereas they don't want to perform live. That they're like far more uncomfortable in that in that space. Where as to where I, I I'm actually much much more willing to try something I haven't done live in front of people uh, than I am to do in the studio. I really don't feel comfortable sometimes doing doing things in the studio under that kind of a microscope. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's always hard to, I mean, especially in the world we're living in right now. Like I remember, uh, something I always took in mind a long time ago or learning about it was like converge. I remember saying that most of the songs on Jane Doe that they had been playing live for like a year and a half or two years or something before they recorded that record. And that to me makes sense. Cause that, you know, obviously that record has quite a legacy to it. And I, I think that has something to do with it because like they were 
they were certain about those songs, you know? And I yeah, think they, if given, they honed them, they perfected them. Yeah. Yeah. Like given the opportunity to like try all that stuff out and work it out. I mean, I can speak for myself and say that the songs that I've, I feel uh, pretty bad about in our catalog are the ones that I wrote in the studio last minute and were like stressed about because it's like, I didn't, I didn't figure out sort of like the swagger of, of like what, how lines can hit certain ways and stuff like that. It was sort of like, I think this is right. I'm going to do it. And then, you know, then you start playing the songs live. You're like, wow, I'm singing it differently now. I'm sure yeah, you've dealt I, with that too. I, yeah. I do that all the time where I'll, I'll find that I'm, I'm singing a song the way that I, I think it is because it's evolved into that. And then I'll hear a recording and, and, and realize that <laughs> oh, that's not, that the fuck was that? That's not the same thing. I'm not singing this. I'm not sing. I'm not singing the song correctly. Apparently, like, right, right, right. Know, that's it's like I, I don't. I don't even think about it. It's it's it's, it's yeah. And it's natural. It's 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 much more. Uh, it, it's got a like a set of lungs in a in a circulatory system. Like when you perform it live, like it, it's evolving. It's growing. Like it's life, and it's yeah. not this sort of kind of sterile uh, environment of of. Uh, of, the, of, of that I feel the studio often can be or, or just the process. But, but I mean, to your, like the stuff that you don't feel well about writing. I, I, I mean, I wrote the, all the, the lyrics and got everything set up for, for guest house, um, uh, for, from you won't get what you want. Like that song I wrote like half an hour before I went to record it. Like I, wow. I, I really wasn't sure what I was doing and, and I, I had some words written down and then I kind of rearranged it and then got to the, you know, I put, I, I put the vocals down and then just start was sort of changing it as I was going. And, and uh, I think it's one of the best things I've ever done. Um, so sometimes it really, it does work it, and, sure. and, but other times, you know, it doesn't. And, and, you know, you look back and it, you, it, like, I mean, with hindsight, everything is. Oh, I should have done it this way or, or it didn't work because of this. And even my analysis of it now, where I could say, yeah, I don't like the studio. It doesn't, uh, it's such an artificial environment and, and what have you. And then, but at the same breath, I can say, oh, I had such a good time this past year, like working on this record. And so, I, you know, I'm probably full of shit and there's this, this like, <laughs> you know, this like Gemini status of, of myself where I'm like kind of all these different people feeling different ways about this one thing and sort of depending on the moment uh, I might decide that this worked or this didn't work. Or right. My analysis of it is, is just, I don't know. Everything, I mean, things are skewed and that's what time does. So, so I'm curious, uh, we go back a little bit. So like, uh, when, when, uh, so as the sunsets did those two EPs and the full length, uh, each individual voice is dead record. Um, and I just I'm assuming is it is it was it a situation where like a couple members changed and then that's when the band sort of evolved into daughters is that kind of the backstory? Yeah, I mean the band was always John and I. I think even as the sunset, so we had a kind of a revolving cast of of people. Um, but John wrote everything. John wrote all the music mm-hmm. for the band. I, I wrote Jeremy when he joined the band a couple years later. Uh, he probably wrote some things here and there. Uh, I wrote a couple songs, um, like in, in that obnoxious singer way, right? Like, cause I don't play guitar and I have to say like, it goes like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. And then he just like make your car go like, Frank, 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 can you do that? So he's like, what the, f- <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Like, just go like Frank, Frank, Frank. Like, 
Like a guitar is <laughs> it's so stupid. But um, so I wrote a couple of songs like that, and uh, we we had like a really bad experience, like with uh, the label who put out our record, and some of the members who were just very noncommittal to the whole project and the process. Are we talking as the sunsets? Yes. Or, okay, and yeah, uh, yeah. so we were in a parking. We had just finished the tour. We were driving home, uh, and we were in like. Virginia or West Virginia or North Carolina or something. And, and Jeremy and myself and John, we, we got together and said like, we're just going to, we're all done when we get home. Like, well, let's break this up. We'll, we'll do something else. The three of us will do something. And, um, we got our friend Pat to play bass. Jeremy was a bass player in daughters. He switched to guitar mm-hmm. and, uh, we started writing some songs and Pat, Pat was, he had sang in, a some like 90 screamo bands, uh, that's something he was in a band called Bastion. Um, okay. He sang, he sang for force fed glass for, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Sick. yeah. So, so he, uh, he probably lent us credibility to some extent that we didn't have before. But, um, so, so we started writing, uh, songs in his living room, Pat's living room. And then we tried out a couple of guitar players and, and then Nick, uh, we got Nick and we just, from there we started writing, uh, we wrote the seven inch, like recorded it quick and went on tour with, uh, we had like eight or nine songs, maybe 10 and probably 10 minutes of music. And we went on tour. We did a full, like a, most of the U S we didn't get all the way out West, but it was like a, like an East coast. And then, um, kind of like, uh, kind of up into Chicago, like up toward Chicago. And it was, it must've been 2002 because that um, last as a sunsets record came out in March of 2002. We very quickly went right back out. Okay. And, uh, and it, I mean, we were just constantly churning on music and playing music and writing music. So it was easy when we thought, well, we'll just write a bunch of new songs and we'll record them real quick and then we'll just go out. And um, we had a tour offer that was supposed to be an as a sunset store, I think uh, with examination of the, and oh, shit. Nice. yeah, and so we did this. Uh, so they were like, oh, we're, I guess you can't do the tour. Like, well, we started a new band. We'll just bring that band. Like, yeah, sure. Bring that and do it with that band. And, and uh, very quickly got everything together and went out. And um, it was like, it, it was such a good time. You had the seven inches with you already for the that first? Yeah, I, I think I think we did. Yeah, I think we had them. I don't know if, I think, I, I don't I think know if I've ever uh, blown smoke or whatever for you. But like that, I that's like, I... I, over the over years, I sort of like kicked back on collecting variants and stuff like that. But like, still to this day, I think I have like five or six different versions of that. I'll, I'll ad- first daughter seven inch. I'll admit that I have several versions, but only because I had to buy them in the past few years because I didn't have anything. I had nothing. <laughs> oh, like to get them back, kind of a, yeah. to own your own I, copies. I, yeah, I was just commenting on this today with uh, w- or, um, my partner and I were talking and. and um, I was telling her that my my friend Eric Paul, who uh, sang for uh, Airborne Radar, mm-hmm. um, is currently trying to get all of the Airborne Radar material that he did, like variants and everything, and like the whole catalog. Because when he was in the band, he's like, "Well, I don't need any of this. I'm I, I, I'm in the band, and that's fine." And that's always the attitude I had. I didn't have anything, so um, I would uh, I'll occasionally would like run across a seven inch or like a variant or a tour variant or something of the first seven inch at like Armageddon shop or something back home. And then I would, I would have to, I would buy it. Like, cause I didn't, I didn't have yeah. the fucking records. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm on this record. I don't, I don't need to own this. And in hindsight, it's like, that was so goddamn stupid that I, I have like, no, I don't have any representation. Like, I don't own a copy of you won't get what you want. I don't, I don't have that record. I don't. So I just don't, I don't know why I don't. 
do it. I, I mean, some I, people just don't like having to lug shit around, you know, especially if I, I don't know if you're a vinyl person. Like if you have your own record collection, you care about records and stuff. I do. Like, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, some yeah. people are just like, it just takes up so much space, <laughs> you know, like I get it. It's, yeah. I mean, it's not as much a, a nuisance for, for me. I mean, I have a lot of records, but um, there are certainly people with far more records. I mean, I don't, so I don't, uh, you know, get them out of books, but I'm not really attached to, to, to things that in that way where last year I moved and uh, I, I got rid of like two thirds of my books. And I just kind of, I thought, why well, they're, they're just books. I've read them. I, I got to move on with my life. This isn't sure. a, so, and I'm going to have a lot of records and like, if something happened to them, it's just like kind of, all right, well, they're gone. And that's, that's all right with me. I mean, I'm not, I'm not uh, really that worried about it, but as far, but the, you know, the, the books I've had published now and, and, and where I have things published and, and, uh, the records I've been making, I, I do want to be better about holding on to that shit because it is like a representation of something like very, uh, little time capsule. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like very uh, important to me at these moments in my life and, and not everyone gets to do that. You know, not everybody has, uh, you know, they worked at, ups for 10 years ago like a plaque or something like who gives a shit about that like that doesn't there's really nothing it's not interactive you know and I, I, mm-hmm. it's really nice that i have work that i've done that is you know, pick it up and listen to it and and read it and 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 uh you know that that's like that's a great feeling and in, in a not like ego stroking way and like a really nice feeling that creating art is just that it it, it ex, people have an experience with it that's like very much their own and and to to be responsible for for creating something that that people can have a, a really intense emotional connection to is, is like that's amazing that's really incredible to me and, I, and so yeah I, I really appreciate everything i've i've put together and that people put my records out and my books out and and like listen to me yammer on about some fucking like a podcast about like my <laughs> stupid bullshit like that's just like it's crazy anybody cares like i i and I, I really dig that and I, i'm really thankful especially that i feel that my life has been uh like totally fucking crazy and 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 you know probably more bad than good certainly so um like i'm happy to that i'm just being alive right now is pretty incredible so right um, yeah you know. well i'm glad you're alive <laughs> yeah me too man i'd like i don't know i death seems pretty boring i mean there's certainly days where i don't know if i have i think man i don't know if i can keep doing this this shit is this shit life is hard man but death just seems so fucking boring i'll say so uh it's i i know we could do this all day i'm trying to think of other things i could i could hit you with before uh i mean i wanted i was actually curious though because you know obviously i just we just worked together putting out this uh this poetry book at what age in your life did you become interested in poetry was that pretty early on no i didn't uh i like i was always writing lyrics to songs that didn't exist so i suppose (laughs) I, i could argue that i had always been writing uh in a sense and you know lyrics can often be poetic and and uh and it's always that's always been a crossover for me even now where i had uh like i've just i just recorded a song a couple weeks ago and it it was just words i had written i had like put in the notes in my phone and i thought like well i don't know what to do with these i guess i'll have a song someday um but like the the virgin on the self-titled album daughter's self-titled record was a poem i had and i repurposed it and reworked it and turned it into lyrics for the song um so you know like that 
Paul wears a hat of fire. I was like writing about this guy that was in a bar I was sitting in. I was just drinking by myself and reading. And I started writing about this guy, Paul, that was, used to come to this bar. Uh, so, um, oh shit. I probably just uh, unveiled of something very uh, mysterious. <laughs> who is Paul? I just said, <laughs> there you I've go. always tried to avoid saying who Paul is. It's, yeah. Um, it's, a fir- it's a first ever exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so I, but I was always writing and interested in, in lyrics, um, probably because I couldn't play an instrument. So I, 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 but I didn't start reading poetry until like I was 19 or so or 20, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was dating a woman who, who gave me a, who had me read a, or she was borrowing from someone, a Charles Bukowski's, uh, love is a dog from hell. Sure. And so this was 98 or 99, maybe or 98. And, um, I was like really interested. Like, you know, I, I was intimidated by poetry. I thought it was snooty and you had, you, you were going to be forced to analyze in a way. Everything means something else. And it was nice to kind of read this like blue collar version. Bukowski's just talking about, you know, his day or some <laughs> shit, you know, and, and his uh, day and fucking. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which at that time I was like, this guy's cool. But uh, it's, it's, I feel like anyone who writes, who even tries poetry, that book is on their shelf. Certainly yeah, of online. course. Yeah, yeah. I, but I mean, he's when he's good, he's he's great, and he's when great. he's not, he's yeah. he's not. You know, and, and but you know, interestingly, as I've gotten older, like the stuff that I really like is kind of the later part of of his writing experience, where it's a, it's far more um, you know contemplative and and thoughtful and and mm-hmm. uh, self analyzing as opposed to like kind of self aggrandizing, which is what he just sort of did for a long time. Um, but that, but like, I, I think there's like all kinds of great stuff. And the more I, I, I'm reading, the more I'm figuring out how I write. Uh, you know, um, because to have a book published, like you know, a few years ago, Permanent Sleep published a, a, a collection of my poetry, and it was stuff I had written. They were like, you know, I said before, like songs, kind of songs without homes, and and things I had written when I was, you know, in some like alcoholic haze where I thought like this is what writing is like i'm a writer i get drunk and and fall asleep with sleep in my shoes i'm a i'm an artist you know like that kind of bullshit and i sort of assembled all of that stuff that i had written through my early 20s and and um because i wanted to be like once i started reading poetry i wanted to be a writer i wanted to be like a poet um but i didn't really know what any of that meant i didn't go to school for i didn't finish high school uh you know um so I, I had no knowledge, <laughs> no education, right. and I had no and no understanding of, of of poetry and 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 analysis, and it was it was sort of beyond me. And so I I just saw like well I've read Bukowski so uh, and I've read some of the Beats and and I've read Alan Kaufman and and I have uh, with the Outlaw Bible of American Poetry. So I I know what poetry is and I'll and I'll write that shit. And it's just like it was garbage. And when I look back at that first book. Um, I can see that I, I was just like trying to be a poet. Like I was writing poems that this is how, this is what a poem is supposed to be. And this is how it's, and, um, that's why I'm like super proud of like what, you know, what we, what we just did together with Dan, like you and I and Dan, like putting this moving windows out. is just, it feels like the most genuine, um, representation of, of my writing now is where I'm not, you know, I, I've, I've abandoned things and like, punctuation and and i'll make up a word if i want if i if something isn't fitting like I, like i 
I, I kind of feel like not to pat myself on the back or anything, but, um, but I'm a singer in a band. So obviously I have a huge ego. So I feel like I've uh, like, I have a style that's mine. I think when I'm reading what I've been writing the past two years or three years where I start to feel like, yeah, I, I can just sit down and, and, and start writing and, and it's, and it's, and it'll clearly be mine and it won't be like, I'm trying to write like William Carlos Williams and I don't, and I'm, and I obviously am not good enough to do that. So, um, yeah. And then that's like being young, you know, being older and trying to do this, it isn't any different than being young and playing. Like when we were writing songs, we were like, this sounds like an overcast song. This is good. Like we right. were just trying to like, we were just trying to like replicate the shit we knew because we really weren't sure what we, who we were, or what we were, what like, what our identities were as, as, as musicians or artists or whatever we were. And, um, it took a long time to, to get there. And, and as we age, it continues to evolve where you can hear Canada songs and that's whatever the hell it is. And compared to you, get you want whatever you want. It's like, it's something else. And we're like always just rediscovering who, who we are because we continue to evolve as people. And, and so right now to look at my work and feel like, Oh, my writing is clearly my writing now it just it took a long time to get there when i stopped focusing on lyrical content and started like focusing on my writing standing by itself and being completely on its own it's just it you know it feels good all of that makes i mean all of that makes perfect sense i feel like poetry also allows you to be clumsy Mm -hmm. you know like yeah it's it's uh it takes a it's i mean certainly i like when i read back on stuff i've been working on uh you know i I feel like it's several different voices constantly and it's and and i don't know if i'll ever have like a a straight structure that i'm comfortable with because i don't really ever i'm with you i mean i didn't study it or anything like that and i think the ego in me similar to as that you just said it's like i sing in a band so i clearly can write poetry you know it's like (laughs) I, i don't know that that's you know i i would be embarrassed next to you know a genuine you know author poet type person but right. it's like you know but i think that you and i and whoever else who who feels they want to write like we're allowed to have the freedom to express ourselves you know like yeah um and, and i think that's kind of what we're all trying to do but uh i mean as not even just me being a person putting it out and uh, and being a bit of a salesperson but yeah i mean i i <laughs> this I, I have your old book you were kind enough to send it to me and i do really yeah. enjoy it it's the uh, a sea above the pains of our youth and uh I, I definitely read it several times and I was excited to work with you on this, this new book, but I'm with you. Like a lot of these, a lot of the stuff that you've written in this little collection is I've read several, several times. I mean, it's, it's, you know, a handful of poems. So it's a, it's a pretty easy, quick read, but um, obviously touring it gives me a bit of, of uh, extra love for this book too, because there's right. little references that you've, you've yeah. made that you're like, well, that makes complete perfect sense. Um, yeah. I think the 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 poem overnight too was like the ultimate for me because especially you know I'm I don't sleep very much on tour I'm always night drive <laughs> right. guy I'm yeah. always night drive guy yeah. so yeah the it's weird how you get the second wind as soon as the the sun starts to come up um, yeah and then you're like well I guess I guess I'm just gonna ride it out until we eventually get to our destination um, but it's a strange experience yeah like. It really just, is. I mean, just touring in general could be really bizarre. And if you're trying to, uh, I think I could, it could have been disastrous if I tried to capture it in, in like a literal sense or tried to paint a picture of what it was and, and, and more so like 
I've like really embraced sort of an abstract uh, approach to to writing now. Like, um, and I and I you know I have like Robert Creeley to thank for that, or like you know, or Robert Bly, like like po- poets that are just that there's so much left to the to the reader to just kind of decide mm-hmm. what, what what's happening and what, you know how they feel about it and and um it took a, it took a while for me to decide that you don't like the reader doesn't really have to know what i'm talking about or understand my experience or have had my experience so but it, it's great that, that i mean you and i have both toured so if you you have like a you look at it through like a different lens like what i've written and and, and as i've read like you you've sent me your work too so like I, I mean i think it's great it's like a mutual admiration and and um it's a, and I think we both understand that like we don't need people to interpret the things that we we want them to like you know I'm happy right. to it did I wrote it and it means what it means to me and whatever you get out of it is if you get anything then I'm I couldn't be happier. I'm that's how it, that's completely how I feel and even though like yeah I, I'm not going to say that I understood every I was I was trying to to I don't I won't claim to that I understood every single aspect of a lot of these poems but like the lines that hit me where I was like yeah I get where he's coming from with this or or things like that um yeah I mean Jim I don't know if you ever liked Jim Carroll poems at all yeah um, yeah of course yeah he like he's someone I I he's always been he was one of the first poets that I ever connected to and he's I mean, every other sentence is is completely different than the last. And a lot of times yeah, you're like, I don't fever know, dream, yeah. I don't know what the yeah. fuck any of this is about, but like, <laughs> but it's you know, you get sort of enthralled in it. And it's like, even though this poem was eight lines, you know, you're taking on such a journey for even two of them. You're just like, I don't know what yeah. the fuck this is about, but like, it's interesting. And yeah, I think that's all anyone could ever really hope for, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely. It just needs to like I, I don't I don't want to read something and sort of be told how I'm supposed to feel about it. You know, I, I don't like I mean, if I'm reading, you know, nonfiction or history or something based like that, like, you know, of course, I, I you know, give me the facts and because right. that's, that's what I need here. But if I'm reading um, fiction or poetry or, or whatever, it's like, you know, I, I, I'm not here to 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 follow or, or here to some kind of guideline or, or kind of any any sort of strict direction and just let me see how I feel about this and, and right. hope for the best. Uh, the question I like to to ask, and I, it's sometimes a hard one to to come up with the right answer, but um, I was curious if you can remember the first time where you felt like you were doing the thing you've been working so hard towards as a musician, as a writer, anything. If there's anything that stands out to you as like, wow, I'm actually doing it. Yeah. I don't know. I think there are a lot of small moments like that where um, – we had flown out to play uh <clears throat> we had flown out to play Hellfest in France and a couple of us were staying at this like very old um really beautiful um th- th- I mean the grounds were just, it was just extraordinary and it must have been this old kind of uh I don't know French castle or whatever the hell it was and I was just walking the grounds by myself and and uh I just thought this is amazing like I'd have no I'm like a, uh, you know, I grew up on welfare. I got, like, I got, all, I had all kinds of terrible shit happen to me growing up. Like, I have no, I, I, there's no reason for me to be here. And now I'm going to go play to, I, I mean, I don't know how many fucking thousands and thousands of people we played at. It was, it was un- unbelievable. And, you know, there are moments like that that are just surreal that I, I, I think like, I don't, what am I doing here? Like, how did, how did, how did this happen? And it's even just like, like just putting out this work that, that you just released uh, for for Dan and I, it's something where I think 
I, yeah, this is amazing. This is, uh, this is all I want to do. And, and, um, it, 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 it happens, uh, I don't know if I'd say frequently, but I do try to always be aware of like my surroundings and where I am. And, and especially like the last, um, that last go with, with you won't get what you want, where we had played for years in basements and no one gave a shit. We always got like, you know, tepid reviews. If we got reviews at all, you know, we never made top 10 lists. We never on the cover of anything and, uh, we never sold out our shows or, and then it was just, we started hitting like sellout after sellout after sellout after sellout. And, and like the rooms were getting bigger and we were on, and then we were like on a bus and I just thought, this is, this is unbelievable. This is, doesn't even, this doesn't right. seem right. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is like such a strange experience. And I'm just trying to be aware. And especially now that I'm sober, um, that I, I am just want to be grateful for everything that, that happens and everything that comes along and, and, um, that I get to sit around and like write poetry or, or, or go somewhere to be like, I have to go to work for a couple of days. And that means like going to a studio and like singing and writing and working and like collaborating with people. Like that's, a, that's fucking amazing that, that there's no singular moment where I, I thought, Oh, I've, I've made it or, or like I'm on the right path because life is so up and down. There are times where I just think I, this is, everything is wrong. <laughs> I've done everything wrong. I fucking ruined my life. And, and, uh, and then there are other times where I think, yeah, this is, you know, if all of this bullshit didn't happen to me, if I had a good father, if I wasn't, uh, like abused or neglected and all my shit, like that shit didn't happen. I'd be in a different place. And, you know, I have like two boys and I love them so much. And like, I've, I've like put out a respectable body of work and, you know, um, as far as art and, and I feel good about it. And so, yeah, the, the, the moment, the moment is not infrequent, not frequent, but I, I just, I, tr I just am aware of it when I need to be. That's yeah. That's uh that's a lovely answer. It's, it's wild. You know, like <laughs> it's a long winded I've, answer. No, no, but... it's a lovely answer though. And, and, uh, I don't know, as an outsider, as just a music appreciator, as, as someone who's always liked your band, like I remember, I mean, the first time I saw you was at Hellfest in 2003 or four, whatever the, whenever you played. You oh know, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was at, I was front row. There's a, if there's photos from that, you can see my gang, my gangly long hair ass. Just right. yeah, and and uh, it was ungodly hot. That, that, oh god, it was unbelievable. That heat and then the dust everywhere. You know that that was like an early moment where we went in that tent and it was packed, it, and yeah. we thought we were like, whoa, people, people are into this. People are kind of like, this yeah. Is cool. I, was, I mean, again, because I don't think Canada songs was out yet. So I think the seven ish was still only out maybe at that no, point. No, I think, uh, no, we hit because we had played, because uh, the video that went on the DVD was like I think Nurse, that version. So I, I think we had, oh, okay. I think we had the record. The record must have been out, I think, at that point. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah so, I mean, seeing you there. And then, you know, I saw you throughout the years because, uh, you know, you guys played tours that it, it's funny. I've talked to a, I've talked to like, uh, Wes in the past um yeah. about American Nightmare sort of surviving the the like 
very metalcore world while still staying, you know, very much American Nightmare, but like getting thrown on a lot of those tours and stuff like that in like the early 2000s. So like, I can't remember what tour it maybe was, but I feel like I saw you guys with like, I don't know if it was like a band like The Bled or something like that. Yeah, maybe it, was that, is that, we, is that accurate? We did that Amer- the American Nightmare tour. It was, it was, there were two legs and the first was we opened uh, and then Cursed uh, played mo- the most precious blood and then American nightmare. And, uh, we did like half the country that way. And then there was like a week off and then the second leg started and we opened and then the, the bled played and, uh, stark weather and, oh, uh, weird. no, no, remember. uh, no fair weather, fair weather. As I say, stark weather, fair weather played, no, not stark weather. Cause, and in fair weather, I think left the tour eventually cause they were just getting such a terrible response. I think I saw that at like the yeah. whiskey or something like that. Yeah, out we, here. They did like most of the West Coast. And then I think by the time we got to Seattle, they were like, yeah, we're, we can't do this. We're all done. Um, sure. But so. yeah, so it's like I, I saw Daughters like a good amount of times. Uh, I was even at the, we don't have to get into it, but I was even at that Knitting Factory show, you bad boy. Um, and uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so like I always thought the band was great and I love and I loved everything about the band, but like, when I then saw you come back uh, and play that show at the Echo um, once the new record was coming out or whatever, and I was just like, this is a really shitty thing to say and I feel embarrassed to say it, but like, it was the first time I watched a set where I didn't look at my phone once. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's hard to like be that <laughs> captivated by a performance. Yeah. And again, sorry, blowing smoke, but like, I remember that I walked out of that show, I went with my buddy Matt who works at Epitaph and, and I was just like, dude what the fuck like that i like that was such a nice breath of fresh air like i just could you know and again we you know we hadn't known each other or anything like that really so like it was just i was so psyched and then when you came back and then headlined that the regent pack show it was yeah. just you know as someone who's just followed the band as long as i have and like been an admirer and now a friend like I'm real, real, real stoked for you and the band and like how far everything has come. It's like, it's really nice to see that like, and also see that like, yo, a band can like fully break on like their fourth or fifth record still. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, well, it's I not, mean, it's not impossible. It's hard to, uh, you know, I mean, you take eight years off and then come back and have like the biggest success we've ever had. Like that, that's, I don't know if that's a feat or there was a fear that it was just going to be like a cult thing. Where we came yeah. back, did a bunch of shows. People would be like, "Oh yeah, let's go see Daughters play." I haven't seen them in eight years. Or people would say like, "Oh, I, I'm 21. I didn't think I'd ever get to see them." And then we thought, "Well, we'll see how it goes. We'll make this record." And, and yeah, it just it's been crazy ever since. And right, it's, yeah, it's great, man. I'm so I'm so I couldn't be happier. Yeah. You know, it's it's been it's been a real it's been a real fun ride. And now I'm I'm happy to say I have a little tiny connection to it with getting to do this book with you so like right. yeah this was a blast uh I, I really enjoyed this conversation and thanks for uh thanks for everything yeah i really appreciate it jeremy like uh Emma, you're a good you're a good man you're a good friend and uh thanks so much i appreciate it all right but i'll let you go see ya Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe or follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you choose to listen. And if you can spare a moment to give us a rating and review on Apple, it helps the show gain more visibility and that can make all the difference. Thank you, and I'll see you again next week.